Hey, it's Todd Duncan. Welcome to High Trust Today, the podcast. I'm on a quest to help people win in business and in life. To do that, I know they must trust themselves, their relationships, their business, and they most certainly must trust their future. When you do that, you set in motion a universe of possibilities, and that journey begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. It is nine o'clock on the West. It is noon in the East, and uh, we are back at it again. May is Motivation May, the month of all motivation, the motherload of pipelines, all things good. And uh, as you guys know, every Tuesday and Thursday, we do a deeper dive interview with a successful originator and or a real estate agent. And uh, we are here today joined by StreamYard with Marty Preston, who is by by all contextual positioning, probably the, the smartest and the, and the most forward thinking mortgage professional on the planet. But he's a guy just like you and me, just like you know the rest of us, but he's figured out some really cool things on on how to run the mortgage practice at level 10. Super successful. So Marty, great to have you from Lexington, Kentucky. Thanks for being on today. Oh, excited to be on. I, uh, I'm looking forward to one of your questions later on when it comes to how smart I am. So it'll be fun. <laughs> but we always position everybody that way, right? No. In all seriousness, I've had the pleasure of working very, very intimately with you over the last six years in our elite program. And um, I really mean that. I, th- I think that that while you have some humor that you go through that that big diagnostic and you say we suck, you know, on the other hand, you attack and you make the things work that need to work. So give everybody that's watching an update on um, how you and your region are doing in the midst of this COVID thing. Just give us a kind of a flyby. Well, I think we're doing, um, you know, really well. It's kind of a it's kind of a balancing act right now because you've got a bunch of volume. I had a good friend of mine call me the other day and tell me that um, you know, he asked me how I do the personal production and the branch production and the region production that we're, we're doing. And a lot of it is, is kind of dialing things back and balancing because you also have capacity issues. But the things that I'm focused on right now and kind of working with my teams and myself and everything on are, are obviously refinances. I, I hear a lot of people say that, you know, they don't do fi- refinances or they don't focus on refinances. And I think that would be a big mistake in today's market. Um, I feel like the reason that we work really hard to create a system where we do a great job for our clients is so we can have and be in position to do the things that we are today, where we have all these past clients that come back to us for great advice. So I think you, you know, you're, you'd be crazy not to focus on the refinances. You want to prioritize those as much as possible. And the two things that I prioritize are relationships first and then profit profitability second. So, um, you know, when you have capacity challenges, the last thing you want to do is a bunch of $100,000 refinances or a bunch of discounted refinances. So you kind of have to balance that um, and and be smart about it. The second thing is I have everybody focused on their partnerships because it's real easy when you're doing a bunch of refinances to forget about your partnerships. And what's been interesting is that some of the agents that I've spoken to, you obviously spoke to uh, Jim day before yesterday, um, or I guess last There's week, whatever, but, yeah. um, but the the key there is like, he's doing great. And then I have some a- agents who act like they're doing nothing. They, you know, they act like the, the COVID-19 has totally shut down their business and everything. So I think it's really key to stay in touch with those people and to have 
partner planning sessions, whether you're doing it by Zoom or phone or whatever. I don't care, but I think it's really important to stay in touch with those people to let them know that, you know, you haven't forgotten about them. They all yeah. know that we're busy. So they don't like to necessarily, if they're not busy, you know, they want to know that, that you're not too busy for them and things like that. So I think I've, I've tried to reiterate with each of my loan officers to make sure you're calling your partners at least weekly and touching base with them and things like that. Uh, the third thing is capacity. Um, you know, what we did, it's hard to just go out and hire a processor or go out and hire an underwriter. So what we did is we went to those people and we had them kind of list their tasks. And what I had them do is tell me all the tasks that you're doing and then take a, a highlighter and highlight the ones that you don't like or and or the ones that you feel like anyone can do. In other words, it doesn't need your experience level, skill set, things like that. And then what we were able to do, we did not have to hire anyone, even temporarily. But what we did do is we took some people out of our customer service and production. We're, we're as you know, very heavy on meeting with clients. So since we haven't been able to meet with clients, we have three people on our staff office-wide who help facilitate those meetings and do things like that that aren't doing that right now. So we were able to offload some of those tasks from processing to that support staff. So it was able to free up our processors, our underwriters and closers to do more things. So yeah. that was very helpful with capacity. And then the final thing is systems. Um, you know, um, I'm not doing as many meetings as, you know, so my Zoom meetings don't take as long as, as a face-to-face -face meeting, which um, has been a, a, a kind of a good revelation for me to kind of think through. Um, I'm also not traveling as much. So it's given me the opportunity to really work on and, and uh, improve some systems and implement some new things and evaluate things like that. So those are really the things I've kind of, um, yeah. in some ways I feel guilty. We're, you know, we're in a, there's a, I just read a financial article about unemployment in Kentucky is the highest in the country. It's at 33%. And, you know, we're in a business that not only is, are we able to keep everyone employed, we're bonusing people and paying overtime and things like that. So, yeah. Very blessed and um, and thankful to be able to do what we're doing. That's awesome. Thanks for that flyby. That's good. And uh, I really like the commentary around how do you prioritize your refinances? Because I think it, it has to be relationships first, because if you're just doing a lot of one-off refis, you don't have relationship. You've got probably dysfunction in the pipeline. You may have profitability issues. The best The best business in the world is the business that comes back time and time again from your 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 you know previously served borrowers for whom you are their mortgage planner for life, right? So we did have Jim Moore on. Jim is on right now on Facebook Live and and taking a look at this. So that's great. His wife Tracy's on as well. Good morning, guys, and uh, hi to Stephen Smith, who's uh, I guess in Napa Valley. I'd like to be in Napa Valley right now. That'd be fun. Um, anyway, we were talking, and Jim and I had a great half hour together, and I just wanted to. Have you kind of give your perspective to everybody that's watching this, agents and lenders alike? What do you and do? What do you and Jim do in your relationship that makes it so dynamically powerful? Just give us kind of what's the Marty Preston Jim Moore secret sauce? The relationship. If it's a secret, I wouldn't tell you, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think the. Um, I think the truth is, is we're a team. Um, so, you know, Jim and I met golly, nine years ago now, I think. And um, we met through a, a, a mutual client. And so I think the key there is, is 
we were willing to work together. Jim wanted to work together early on. In fact, if I remember right, he was the one that asked me to lunch. So, um, but the main thing is we're a team. And I think if you look at realtors and you look at lenders, we're uniquely set up as a partnership that has the chance of working long-term. You know, most partnerships are extremely difficult. Um, I don't even, I mean, you could be talking about your, your, your spouse. I mean, it's just a tough deal a lot of times, but especially in business, because, you know, if you and I are partners and and I'm paying you 51% and I got 49%, but I did 51% of the prop of the production, you did 49% makes it really tough. Whereas with real estate agents, we get paid on the exact same balance sheet or the exact same closing disclosure um, that they do. And you get to keep all of your money and they get to keep all of their money. So, and, you know, if you think about it, it's the same client, the same house, the same closing disclosure, the same transaction, the same everything. So Jim and Jim really understood that early on and saw it that we should be on the team. In fact, we even added our, our closing attorney to it and, and kind of work with them. So, so I think the biggest thing is, is he understands that I truly am a part of that team. He, he refers me as many or more refinances as anybody else because he does a great job staying in touch with his clients. So then by him staying in touch with his clients, he's talking, you know, I just talked to him yesterday and he's like, everybody I talked to, I'm like, now, have you talked to Marty yet? You need to talk to Marty and make sure because he just sees that as, which is true. You know, he's providing more value to his clients by if he's talked to them and they haven't talked to me yet, he's making sure that they do. So, so I, you know, the simplest way I could say that, and you can ask me any follow-up question, but the truth is, is he sees it and I see it as we're really are part of the same team helping the client accomplish the same thing, which is we want to help them buy a home as efficiently, smooth, easy, simple as possible. So not only is the thought of using us again an afterthought, they also want to go, the word I like to use is compelled. I want them to feel compelled to go tell everyone they know about us. And and he and I are constantly talking or thinking or sharing ideas back and forth of how to accomplish that. In other words, what what can we do better, different, or whatever to, to make sure that when we work with this client, they leave that process feeling like, oh my gosh, I've got to go tell everybody I know how great they are. Yeah. So yeah, so let me jump in here because I think I think what the message I'd like to send to anybody watching this, you know, this is being broadcast live on every one of our social platforms, our website. You know, ho- hopefully the replays and reviews will be solid, particularly if you're a lender and you want to sit down and and re-engage, you know, with your agent partners deeply and doing it now when nobody else is doing it so that when this market shifts, whenever it shifts, it could be another 6 months before rates tick up. It could be longer, maybe it's shorter, who knows. You know, it's going to probably remain low, at least through the election. And we'll just see what happens. But I think the interesting thing here is is to ask yourself the question, if you're viewing this between you and your agents, um, do you have a seamless partnership? In other words, do you and your agent partner have a, a collaborative, a very intense, very loyal, very high trust, seamless process so that you look like you are a team, which you theoretically should be 
for every borrower that might buy a home and for every seller that might list a home and buy a home. I know that, Marty, you um, have a discipline in meeting with Jim to do business reviews. I know that Jim pretty much makes every single borrower talk to you before he does anything. And I think that that is a, a big reveal. You know, you really think about it and you think about an elite. We talk about lead extraction, right? We talk about if somebody's representing buyers and there's 10 buyers, you know, maybe two don't have a lender, maybe eight or know a lender or pre-approved a lender or a combination of those things. You pretty much with Jim get first right of refusal on every borrower and Jim pretty much falls on the sword and says, you got to talk to Marty before we do anything. Unpack that for everybody because it is still, in my opinion, the most unique secret sauce there is in the business. So uh, trust, of course, has a lot to do with that. So the reason um, the reason Jim's okay with making sure everybody talks to me is he has confidence in me to do the right thing. So yeah. um, sometimes that may mean that I refer the client somewhere else, which I've done several times if we aren't the best option for them, you know, um, construction loans or whatever it is. So um, Jim will send a client to me knowing good and well that I don't do very many construction loans. Most of the time I'll refer those out to a local bank, but he'll still refer the client to me to talk to me first because he knows it's going to be better for the client to get all the answers and receive total transparency about the process up front. And because we're not sure that that other bank or lender or whatever may do all that. So it's not uncommon at all for me to meet with a client that is getting ready to go into a new build project that may take 12 months, knowing that I'm not going to do the financing for 12 months for now, but I met with that client because Jim has asked them to come meet with me first. So they know everything they're getting into. And like, I just had a phone call the other day with a guy that, that I had known previously. And so when we got off the phone, he's like, so basically I don't need to talk to you anymore for about nine months. And I was like, (laughs) we'll stay in touch more than that. But I'm thinking, yeah, actually, basically you don't. But, um, but yeah, I think it really comes down to the trust of that. So Jim wants everybody to talk to me because he trusts me to give them the best advice. And he knows by them getting that advice, then they're going to like him that much more because he's the one that helped them get that advice. And he can trust me to do the right thing with the client by either getting them the right loan or helping them, you know, with the right strategy to get the loan or go to another lender or whatever that that may be. Yeah, that's a, a big piece of it. So I'd like everybody watching this to just do a quick kind of gut check on do you have that? If you're a lender with your agent partners, and if you're an agent watching this, do you have that symbiotic kind of seamlessness with your lending partner? Because there's no downside for Jim Moore making everybody talk to you. If anything, there's a huge upside and vice versa. When you talk to them, you make Jim's job easier and more effective and and all things that go along with that. So um, talk just briefly about um, your business review strategy, because you threw out partnership planning. And I, I can guarantee you right now about 99 out of every 100 LOs in, in America are not doing partnership planning right now. Um, you know, questions that take the relationship deeper. Talk about just business reviews. You guys are in sync, so you don't need to meet, you know, every single, you know, every other week or maybe even every month, but you do regular sit down business reviews. And I think that's a, a discipline that I'd like to make sure the lending community 
and the agent community understand because it's it's how you collaborate, right? So just unpack that a little bit. So that, that's a discipline I got to give Jim credit for. Um, okay. Early on, early on, it was all me, you know. So I did the things where I would meet with him every two weeks early on, and then I would, you know, he would want to, but I would meet with him every two weeks early on, and we would do partner planning where we would really sit down. Usually we would do it at lunch, but we would really sit down and go through, okay, here's what we were doing two weeks ago, you know, and it was just talking through what we could do and what I could do or what I had access to that could help him with his business. So, you know, I, we, one process we went through not too long ago is we went back and looked through all those notes, which was kind of cool. And we had nine key areas, um, you know, from business planning to prioritization management to team building to uh, lead generation, all these different things that we had kind of worked through. Um, and it went into nine categories and, and it was just all in these notebooks that we had gone through. And the, 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 the first big breakthrough I remember with him was team building, because um, I would say the first thing that Jim liked about me is, um, you know, he was in his car all day and he would write down a, a lead on a sticky note. And then he would find that sticky note a few weeks later and be like, oh, crap. <laughs> He realized that if he got the client to me, you know, whether it was a text or had the client call or whatever, then I would keep up with the client. So then he didn't lose anyone. So that was kind of his first kind of step up. And then it was finding somebody to handle administrative stuff for him so he could really go out and focus on relationships. That was probably two or three steps up. And we just did all these things. For the last few years, though, Jim is the one that initiates the partner planning. Like he'll be like, Hey, I haven't, you know, we haven't got together in a while. I'm going to get with Tammy and schedule it. And he'll just get with Tammy and it'll show up on my schedule. And it's the same thing. I'll take my notebook in, we'll sit down and I've got notes that I can go back through and I've got my own Jim Moore notebook and we'll go through and, you know, here's what we talked about two weeks ago, you know, what's working, what's not. Um, you know, he just uh, went back to a, a great builder account that he had, service several years ago that he had made a decision to step away from because things weren't going the way that 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 he needed them to go and and the builder recognized that you know he really needed Jim Moore and and so that worked out but we sat down and talked through all that the pros and cons of that kind of what boundaries to go in place and things like that so our conversations are certainly on a different level today than they were in 2011 um but, you know, with consistency, I'd say I'd say we still meet at least every 60 days. We see each other more often than that, that but we meet about every 60 days to do a true partner planning session, Yeah, which just, which just is a team meeting. Hey, you know, what can we do to make this better for our clients and how can I help you? And, you know, yesterday, our conversations all kind of end the same way. He'll, he'll go, is there anything I can do to help you? And I'll go, no, is there anything I can do to help you? No, and that's, that's it. But <laughs> that's beautiful. About it, that, those two questions are two pretty good questions for partner planning. They're huge questions. And um, here's the interesting thing, guys, as you listen to Marty talk, and I wish I could just um, link Jim in right now because I know he's hanging out here on the uh, on the chat side. But uh, here's the deal. We're in, we're in the middle. I'm in the middle of writing this beautiful program called Connect. It's live in the marketplace. We're releasing a video a week on what does connection actually look like? I mean, what is the wide swath, the big deal of connection? Connection with self, connection with confidence, connection with a higher spirit or a higher power, connection with clients, connection with your, your circles of 
influence and so on and so forth. And in the section we did yesterday, it was called um, Architecting Emotional Connection. And I'll give this to you guys right now, just as a little bit of a freebie. For any partnership to work, it must first have chemistry. Chemistry is defined as likability. I got to like you. You got to like me. I got to be attracted to you professionally. You got to be attracted to me. If chemistry's there, then it must include conversation. And when a partnership is new, it requires more conversation than it does collaboration. But for the longer conversation goes on, the more it leads to collaboration. So I have chemistry, conversation, collaboration. And then if it's a well-run partnership, you will run into things that might be under the category of conflict resolution. So there might be times when you collaborate deeply and when, you, when you're asking new questions or you're getting into sync with each other where you might have a speed bump, right? And they may want to do it this way. You may want to, it's okay. If you have chemistry, you can solve conflicts. The people that avoid conflict resolution are the people that don't have chemistry. And so there's like no common sense to try and fix it anyway, right? Which is a whole nother conversation because then there isn't going to be any of this going on. So when you take chemistry, conversation, collaboration, conflict resolution, add all those up, you get connection. And that's what you and Jim have. You have the ultimate connection. It's safe. It's high performance. It's focused. It's loyal. I mean, it is the perfect storm. And you've created that together. And I appreciate you giving Jim credit for kind of initiating that. And, and just in talking with him, I talk to Jim you know, four or five times a month. He's got it. And you guys are inseparable. So we got about 12 minutes. If you guys want to throw any questions over here, uh, key and key, Facebook user, key ingredient, Marty provides us credibility that helps increase trust with clients. Yeah, credibility is beautiful. So you and I, uh, you were one of the founding members of our elite coaching program. You know, high trust coaching is available to all of you. If, if you haven't even checked it out, just come online for a free coaching call. It's super simple. Our coaches are ready to advise you on whatever you would like right now and give you a little test drive. I know you went through Marty, this huge diagnostic. It was 97 questions and, um, and it changed everything for you. It changed everything. And, and I had two questions that I think came out of that. One, what have you seen in terms of the percentage of referrals you get from both agents and other borrowers because of the professionalism and advice content of your borrower presentation? What does that look like? What's that feel like? Well, um, from a percentage standpoint, I'd say it's about 200% because um, <laughs> in 2015, uh, based on what my, you know, that's the only main change that I've really made since 2015. I always tell people when I went into Elite, um, I went in there fairly confident, uh, maybe arrogant, whatever. Um, and two things happened. Uh, I took that diagnostic and I met Brian Bomar and both of them knocked me down pretty far. So, um, you know, I've said it a thousand times that, during the diagnostic, I wrote on there, and I even have a picture of it. It's actually sitting over here, that that book, that workbook is, where during the diagnostic, I wrote, we suck. Um, and it's because we did suck. So um, <laughs> looking back at that, though, from where my personal production and my office production is, we've grown about 200%. So we were always getting referrals from past clients and from partners before. So I would... I would be able to credit that that information has been able to double my production. Uh, really, it took about a 
two or three year time period. But I would say that that would be it. It was, we literally have been able in a 24, 36 month time frame, we were able to double production um, across the board. And so, you were already, you were already up there. So I was already qualified yeah. for elite. So I was doing okay. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and I think, uh, I think just that change when you, when you kind of reported in uh, on first year had earned you an extra like half a million bucks, I think. Uh, $585,000 the first year. $585,000 uh, profit as a, result, as a result of coaching and, yeah, and profit. So, so again, you guys just check out hytruscoaching.com and just, if you haven't had a free call, have one with us and we'll show you what it looks like. Um, I just got a post on Facebook from live comments and I want to see if we can do an audible on this. Um, the user said, Todd, can Marty share how he landed the Hitachi account that I that we recently mentioned. And I think that involved Jim as well. But talk through how you did that because there's a new world order that you know we're creating an elite, which is called consumer centricity. And uh, and it involves being, bringing in other business like that. So yeah. how, how did you do that? Well, I think the key there is awareness. I think Wally talks to, about that a lot, uh, you know, when he gives the example of the, the guy that he's sitting to on the next to on the plane. Right. So, you know, I think the thing there is when you're working with a client, you and your whole team need to be aware of what opportunity or potential opportunity this person could lead you to. I was having a phone conversation yesterday with one of my uh, top loan officers, and I was talking about how an $83,000 loan led me to a plastic surgeon because he was married to her sister, who led me to a general surgeon who's referred me I don't know, 40 something closed transactions, you know, so 40 wow. families. So, it, it, you know, you want to be aware of that. But, um, you know, in this case, what happened was Susan Hatfield, who is a, uh, one of my top loan officers in Richmond, uh, Kentucky, which is just a really small town from here. She was doing a loan for a guy that was the human resources director of Hitachi. Turned out he was my second son's baseball coach and um, which child number two, you never know. So I was like, eh, I, don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if coaching my son was a good thing or a bad thing, but it turned out to be a good thing. So I had a, a little bit of a relationship there and we were able to go meet with him and listen about, you know, kind of do a high trust interview about what they wanted, what they needed, um, how we could help them, you know, with their clients. In their case, a lot of it had to do with educating their, their staff and um, you know, they, they were very clear on the, on the relationship between financial health and physical health. And a lot of companies, because of um, a lot of the health insurance companies are kind of helping us with this right now because they're pushing, um, you know, how you can get discounted health care plans, you know, based on the, the overall health and programs that their, their employees are in or, and all that. So we were able to do some things with that. And, and it's just a, Honestly, it's just like a partnership with anything else. It's just a matter of, you know, what can we do to help you? We have a few other uh, companies that we're working with. And, and frankly, what, what one company likes, um, you know, another company may or may not be as interested in. So it's just a matter of what can we do? Every business, the one thing that they're all very, very, very much the same in is they're all looking for ways to add value to their employees. They 100%. want their employees to be able to see additional value in working there over compensation and basic benefits. 
So if you can help them provide additional benefits to their employees, especially and do it at no cost to the employer, then you're going to be able to develop a good relationship with them. But I think the key for us is having this one conversation with our team. When the loan is sent to underwriting for final, we'll have what we call a huddle. And it's just a matter of, hey, the AOT file is going back to underwriting. Um, does anyone have anything, any information about this client that, and we've got it set to where we can type it into our CRM and things like that. But, you know, do you know anything about them that creates a good opportunity for us? And it may be an opportunity to, you know, give them a, a gift after closing that would make a huge impact. And it might be, yes, you know, they're, they're president of a company that employs 1200 people. And then, you know, I mentioned the name AOT. So ironically, one of my favorite real estate agents who, who doesn't sell a ton of property, but she's just the greatest person, her husband manages the other Hitachi plant in Kentucky, which uh, the one in Richmond has 1,200 people. This one has 1,500 people. And he left Toyota to go manage that one after all this had started. So it kind of made it to where we were able to, to, to become partners with, with both. So. Um, you know, yeah. be- and I think the so I think the point you make and and I'll say this to everybody is you don't need to overthink this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and post a report on the High Trust Today Facebook group. If you're a member of that, then uh, I'm going to put the report out there. But it's a uh, it's a study that that shows how income and wealth are linked to health and longevity. And I think you bring up a good point that as an employer, as a CEO, I want my guys to be healthy financially. I want them to be healthy mentally and physically and, and all of those things. And it's a unique value proposition today that about eight to eight and a half out of every 10 Americans say they want. They claim that financial stress is one of the biggest stressors in their life. And so this leads to our last question. Fiscal literacy super, super important. You and I have been on this for a long time and it's getting more and more relevant and more and more important. And if you're going to join this movement that we are, are owning called consumer centricity, you got to bring fiscal knowledge and advice to your employee groups. And I think when you look at Hitachi and you've got you know 2,800 employees, I mean, imagine the impact you can make in just one company with two plants for almost 3,000 people in terms of fiscal health. Take us home on the power of fiscal literacy, the simplicity of how you get plugged in, but how do you how do you transfer the knowledge? How do you share the knowledge? What do you guys do to add value to this non-traditional business sector? Yeah, so I, I think you hit on something there about the don't overthink it, and I think it ties yeah. into this too, because I remember when I was working with Wally on the, on the wealth management side of things, um, and he asked me a question and about, you know, what you do different to attract them. And I was like, well, you know, I send them a high impact introduction. I meet with them. I ask them questions. If there's somebody I think I would like to work with, then I meet with them at my office to show them what we do. And then I follow up with them afterwards. And he goes, well, that's the same thing we do with realtors. And I was like, yep, exactly. <laughs> um, same thing with same thing with business partners. I mean, it's 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 just a matter of do I like you? Do you like me? Can we work together and go from there? So I, with fiscal literacy, I think people overthink that too. Okay. So you don't have to go from zero to a hundred percent today. 
Right. What you do have to do is you have to want to have the knowledge to help people with their finances. Um, you can't really make a huge impact just by doing a loan for somebody, but you can make a massive impact by making sure they get the right loan. And, and really it just comes to knowing a few extra questions to ask, you know, um, where's your money coming from? Well, it's coming from an investment account. Well, is that a retirement account? Yes. Okay. Well, have you looked into the potential tax consequences of taking money from the retirement account? Because the cost of that may more than offset the savings of the mortgage. So let's talk about, you know, just a few basic things like that, that you can learn over time. And there's, you know, um, mortgage market guide or whatever. There's all kinds of different services out there that where you can learn that stuff like I did, which was just step by step. So it is massive to be able to do it because I think that's the way you can make a big impact on people where they do feel compelled. And what we did is we put together a, a little booklet that, that we teach to those classes, to, you know, to those groups at, at Hitachi where, you know, we teach them about credit. No one knows about credit scoring. No one. I mean, they, they no one knows about it. So um, it still amazes me some of the stuff. I've got an app on my phone that, that tracks my credit score and it freaks me out sometimes how, how volatile it can be. So right. uh, we talk about budgeting. No, you know, I heard a guy say one time that budgeting is, is spending less than you make, which, <laughs> which it is. <laughs> but giving people the tools to be able to budget and helping them have a plan for it is, is huge. So we help them with budgeting. We help them with their credit. And then from there is just some basic things back yeah. and forth. We help them with home buying, you know, mortgage planning. So they know a lot of people think they need more down and, and things like that. So, and then a lot of it is the, the, the employer telling us kind of what they want us to tell. So, um, you know, like sometimes you may go research a certain thing so you can go teach that to the class, to be perfectly honest with you, which is totally fine. Or yeah. bring someone else in, you know, I, we've done that too. We brought in, if it was a field that I didn't feel like I was, you know, anywhere near an expert at, then we've invited other people to come in and talk about life insurance or health insurance and things like that. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Property and casualty well, insurance even. So the deal, the deal guys, as you listen to this is don't overthink it. Um, you know, we, we have for as long as I can remember talked about the idea of the better your advice, the more knowledge you have of the marketplace. You don't have to go all the way to being licensed and certified as a financial planner or you have your insurance license or anything, but you need to understand fiscal literacy and fiscal 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 basics, right? And so if you were just to make a claim to this and go back to Earl Nightingale, one of the great motivators of the last century, um, he would say that if you study something for an hour a day within three years, you'll be one of the experts in your field on what you study. So none of us have an extra hour a day to bone up on fiscal literacy, but all of us have time every day to learn how can we be uniquely differentiated by having an advice-centric business. And if you do that, then you can completely move to the consumer-centric marketplace, which is going to value your agents extremely well in terms of leverageability of those 
those those relationships, and it's going to allow you to have an entirely different conversion structure because employees coming from companies that the companies and the management and the CEO want their employees to be healthy. They want their employees to have less financial stress. They want their employees to understand the basics of budgeting. You can literally, hopefully right now, see the bridge between you help employees win, you help the owner of the company win, which is why we're doing what we're doing. And it gets down to the knowledge you have. So Marty, I sure appreciate you. I could go for another hour with you. You know that we could go for all day having these conversations, but I hope everybody enjoyed today uh, with Marty Preston. Uh, Marty, you, you gave a, a, a ton of great information. Um, give us your final 60 seconds on measurement. Measurement. Well, one quick thing I, I will say, with what's going on right now, there might not ever be a better time in your career to reach out to people that you know that manage people because, you know, people have sincere, legitimate concerns and questions, whether it be about forbearance or not, you know, like, what do I, what do I do? I'm in this situation. What should I, or should I not do? Cause now they've heard you should do it. You shouldn't do it. Um, you know, and uh, you know, so, should I do forbearance? Should I not? Should I refinance? Should I not? You know, should I buy a house right now? Should I not? You know, are home prices going down? Are they going up? They, they've literally heard bookends of every scenario. They should do forbearance. They should not. They should refinance. They should not. They should buy. They should not. So being able to provide them with some real information right now is huge. So if you have any relationships like that, now's a good time to do it. On measurement real quick, I think, you know, it's the one thing that's easy to do that we make too hard so nobody does it. Most of you are trying to figure out a way to hire somebody to help you monitor how many pre-qualifications you take, how many loans you send to processing, how many loans you close and all these things when you're inputting all of that into a software guaranteed. So you can't pull credit without inputting it. You can't send it to processing without that software. You can't send it to underwriting without that software. You can't print documents without that software. And you can't close a loan without that software. So what you need to do instead of figuring out how to track it manually is contact your company or your software company and figure out how to just pull that information. But everybody needs to track at least these four things. How many prequels you're taking? versus how many applications, applications means the client's actually signing the application, all right, versus how many files you're actually sending into underwriting and how many loans you're closing, which in coaching, yeah. we track those four, we track those four things all the time anyway. But every loan originator, team, whatever, needs to know those four things because with those four metrics, you can identify 90% of any challenge that anybody's having and helping them. You know, there's this saying that whoever generates the most leads wins. That's absolutely false. I mean, that could not be a more false statement. It could Amen. whoever generates the most leads may lose terribly. So just track those four things. Uh, that's something we've been able to do with our software and it's it's been huge. So yeah. So I would like to just uh, let everybody know, again, if you're not familiar with what Marty just said, if you are a High Trust Coaching member, we have a the High Performance Dashboard, which tracks those four things plus two more things. And we literally are helping you measure this stuff every day. And I want you to think about 
the idea of what would life be like if you just got like one or 2% better every month for a year in conversion, conversion con- converting conversations to true applications, applications that go into processing, and that because you're knowledgeable, high percentage of those closing, if in two years you could improve your conversion by 2% a month, you have a 50% conversion in 24 months, which is for most of you between four, five, and $600,000. So it's up to you to to really understand what gets measured can be improved. What you don't know, you wing it. And that's why I wanted Marty to close with that. Dude, you're a star. Jim Moore, thank you for uh, last week. Marty, thank you for today. And uh, again, for everybody watching, uh, Coffee with Todd is for the month of May. We go live every morning at nine o'clock, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are me for about 10 minutes. Tuesdays and Thursdays are interviews with high-performance guys and gals that have figured out how to dominate in their market. And uh, Marty, you uh, you took us to a new level today. So many thanks. And for the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock sharp for another version of Coffee with Todd. Thanks, Marty. Love you. Thank you.